Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 67. Now, in the studio tonight, you've got myself, Paul Spain. Nate Dunn. John Lai. John, welcome along. Nice to have you on the show. It's been the first time to have you here. Cheers. Um, it's, it's been a while. I'm supposed to come in, I think, what, start off, end of last year. So it's finally good to be here and finally chatting with you guys. Sweet. So cool. Sweet. Great. So, uh, yep, so that's uh, John Lai from Social Media NZ. Now, quite a bit to get through tonight, so we'll just dive straight in. There's uh, some new tech that we've been tweeting about from uh, Samsung, some new stuff with their uh, TVs. We're going to talk about some new internet plans that may be relevant to you, uh, self-drive car, some um, news in uh, with New Zealand's uh, piracy uh, laws for those downloading uh, illegal stuff off the internet. And uh, first up, we're going to chat a little bit about Facebook. Uh, Nate, this is something we, we were chatting about before we uh, kicked off. It's been announced that Facebook are now up to uh, 901 million active users. Yeah, so yesterday on uh, VentureBeat Facebook, um, so they've, they've talked about how... So when you you know do an IPA, you've got to lodge documents with the security um, department or um, government department. And, um, so they're about to launch onto the share market, aren't they, the ne- one? Next, next month in, in May they're doing it will that? be in, if I read it correctly, it'll be probably in mid-May. So, um, yeah, they've, in the documents they've said that they've got 901 million active users every month, which is just incredible amount of data. So I'm just thinking the techs and everyone that's supporting the, the network infrastructure, but also the database behind it, got some clever cookies running at Facebook. So... Um, yeah, that's massive, and I think that's a really good one because we haven't actually been able to see an accurate number of users, and because they've got to declare it before they do their um, their shares, mm. it's a good way for us to get a bit of a peek into exactly how many people they're, they're running, and, and you know, sitting at 900 million, they're going to cross a billion people. Well, it's a chunk up from what we heard last time around. Um, what was the last figure you heard, John, before that one? Before that one, I think it was sitting around 700 million. Yeah. That was the last, kind of the last figure that I've heard of. And mm. then, you know, obviously today with this figure came about, you know, 1 billion doesn't seem that far away as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I'm looking on Fortune and they're also saying that they they reckon that the stock's valued about 30 odd dollars or $31 per share. But from everything I've been reading online, people are going to want to get these shares. So, you know, supply <laughs> the old uh, law of supply and demand. So they'll just... I, I reckon they'll shoot up straight away. Yeah, I think they'll score. I mean, w- when I look at sort of Facebook, it's a little bit like uh, it's a little bit like email in many ways. You know, ev- everyone who's online has an email account, mm. and a Facebook account is really the way it's becoming. But the difference between Facebook and email is there's only one Facebook, whereas there's you know thousands of providers for email. Mm. And it's a really, really unusual sort of, um, you know, situation. It's become that that important in the way people use the internet. And I think we've chatted about this before. And in some parts of the world, you know, people see Facebook as the internet. You know, that's that's the main thing they use. Well, the funny thing that you said about emails, because we know that when, when Hotmail came out, you know, there were other competitors that, that came into the market and but everyone got the uh, same share of um, the pot, as they say. Mm. But the funny thing with uh, Facebook is that even though there are other competitors, no one seemed to ca- can come, you know, it's on the same par as them, which is really interesting to see. And, you know, with now them recently just uh, snatching up Instagram, it just shows that they're going from strength to strength. 
Mm, well, I think that the difference there is between, say, Hotmail and other ones is any email package could talk to another email mm. package, but to talk to somebody on Facebook, you have to be on Facebook. Yeah. So you can't go to another vendor and say, well, I'll sign up with this one and I'll still be able to chat with my friends that are, that are with Facebook because it's, um, you know, it's, that one, it's that one system. Mm. And I mean, at some at some point, they are they are going to have to open up because surely at some point some monopoly type you know laws come into play and say, hey, you can't you know you can't do this. But I don't know, maybe not. I was um, really interested, you know, when this the Social Network movie came out to actually see if the the movie was accurate. So can I talk about the Nate's Book Club, like the Oprah's one? Um, so I on <laughs> um, my Kindle, I, I found a book called The Facebook Effect, um, and it's by a guy called David Kirkpatrick, and he's done a lot of research. And I, if you haven't read this particular book, I highly recommend it. It, it. it sort of, it's like the movie, but without all the sensational parts to make a movie exciting. And they were talking about how Facebook is the, the world's biggest advertising platform because there's nowhere else in the world that you um, give away, you know, your age, your um, your religion, who where you live, who you like to hang out with, what things you like. Like for an advertiser, being able to find out exactly what you're into is fantastic. And they're talking about how Facebook does more of sort of proactive advertising rather than reactive. So take the Google ads platform, you know, um, the example I remember they used was about digital cameras. So um, Google ads will, you know, if you're looking for a camera, Google ads will start suggesting things. But what Facebook was doing is, and I think the example they used was solo dads, is they would see a, a person who was a, who had kids and but didn't have a lot of photos. And they could actually say, hey, you know, obviously you need a digital camera and actually start putting these suggestions into their minds about buying cameras. So it was more of a proactive stance. It was, highly recommend reading the book there's only one small example from it but yeah some of the insights into what facebook can do especially for advertisers is just it really is mind-blowing cool uh now just this weekend this last weekend gone we've had uh word camp um new zealand that was held here in auckland uh and i popped along to that one so what's um, uh, what's word camp so word camp is a um I, conference probably isn't quite the right word um, but it's not really an unconference either for those that are familiar with 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 that term. But um, yeah, it, I mean, it is a it's a conference of sorts, and um, it, it's it's focused on people that use WordPress. And WordPress um, is a very very common platform for producing websites and blogs. Um, in fact, you know, John, you run uh, the Social Media NZ website on um, on WordPress, don't you? Yeah, 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 I do. Um, you know, for for us, kind of the experience of using. Uh, WordPress, and then I've got an opportunity to try other um, other platforms as well. I just find it, you know, from a user perspective of the navigational part of it, it's just so simple. So, you know, that's why we've always been a big big user of um, WordPress. Hmm. So, as social media, do you guys run that off? Um, you got it installed on a, your own host, or you're running it off WordPress's infrastructure? Ah, uh, no. At the moment, we are running this off GoDaddy. Yeah. So that's that's our hosting, but um, but we will be bringing back to uh, New Zealand by hosting it uh, locally soon. So that could see some increase in um you know uh, the page being able to load faster, performance yeah. and so on. Yeah. So yes, yeah. I mean, and there are and there are a lot of things that really go into picking an appropriate um, an appropriate content management system, you know, in a business scenario and so on. But in terms of you know just getting something up and up and running quick, it's uh, you know it's quite a good platform for that. Uh, and you've got all the plugins and 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 options. There are certainly, um, you know, I think 
it's not the only platform, so it is worth looking out there and depending on what your requirements are before you pick something. But uh, most businesses would go through, you know, some sort of a process to uh, to select that based on their uh, on their requirements. Yeah, and fr- from what I've used of WordPress, it's a, it's really easy to install. Like the the wizard, when you go to install, it's pretty easy. If you've done any PHP or MySQL work, um, it's even easier. And I suppose the the theming engine's fantastic, and there's lots and lots of different sites around, and and some of the themes are. You know, talking twenty, thirty dollars US to get a full theme. It's fantastic. Put your your logo on, add some content, and you've really got a site. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're happy not to have sort of your own unique design one, there's there are lots. Yeah, of there's lots of stuff you pre- can just pre- pull pre- straight pre- off the shelf. Ones you can uh, you can grab, right? All right. Um, now, John, over to you. You you were going to tell us a little bit about um, the upcoming event that you're uh, you're working on. Yes, um, it's still very. It's still very hush-hush at the moment, but the good thing about this is that, you know, we want to make sure that whatever that we put out there, it's it has to be, well, perfect is a real high standard there, but we just want to make sure that whatever we put out there is the right sort of conference. So just to kind of give you a context around what this conference is about, um, it's, it's, it's in the middle between social media and digital because we want to touch between... Uh, those worlds and then we know there's a lot of social media um, conferences in New Zealand and also digital conferences but we what we're trying to do is try to blend those two together and then this uh, for this coming up and coming uh, um, event is going to be called revolution now that word alone could mean for social media and could mean for digital or tech or anything so we basically pick a how do you say a a generalized name so that we can bring you know both the best of both worlds together and then you know we've we've managed to basically how do you say the way that we want to package this is we want to make sure that people when they go to this sort of events they come out with something that's tangible you know i've I had an opportunity to go to webstock and that is amazing and then so basically it's kind of picking the best of the best from all of them and kind of go what can we do to bring you know a a a hub of, of digital thought leaders to come and talk about how to move this space forward and how to help New Zealand move this space forward. So Great. that's kind of giving you an idea of what we're trying to achieve with this uh, conference come second part of this year. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, I think you know anything we, we can do here in New Zealand to uh, you know build up our capabilities to leverage you know social media online media mm. um you know digital media in, in its various forms mm. will will help new zealand as a country to be able to achieve more on a on an international scale because you know as a as a nation that needs to be exporting you know more and more and uh be be exporting you know a whole range of uh of things it's um you know it's these digital mediums that are going to really help us uh, to keep ourselves out there on a on a, on that um, you know international stage, right? Yeah, like just to kind of give, um, <clears throat> I think the audience a kind of context of what social media NZ is. So basically, we are a a media hub which basically looks at what is going on around the world in terms of uh, social media and digital, and filter that out and make it relevant for for New Zealanders. So you know, obviously, there's your Mashables and there's your TechCrunch, which is great. You know, they basically my inspiration for what social media is stems from them but however sometimes the content that they have pr- 
probably is not applicable to New Zealanders because, you know, uh, the business culture, the environment, you know, the laws that New Zealand might, you know, the things that they might talk about might not be the same, you know, relevant for us. So that's, I think, that's what we do basically is take those kind of um, happenings around the world, filter it, make it relevant to New Zealand, you know, uh, professionally and also personally and see how it can impact society moving forward digitally for New Zealand. So that is basically you know who we are and hopefully this sort of conference is more of a tangible thing yes we have the site which is a um you know which is social media and which is allow pe allows people to kind of read of it but we want something that allows them to go there and experience this and walk away from it and go oh my goodness i've learned something that i can apply to my business or per, uh, personally to move you know for us it's about moving New Zealand forward digitally great no that's good I think nice. we're, we're, we're all on board with that uh, for those that haven't come haven't come across the site socialmedianz.com uh, now next up we, we've been um, watching New Zealand's new copyright laws since they were they were enacted um, and became um, I guess uh, live last year um, the the so-called sort of three three strikes uh, law uh, and um, Nate maybe you can give a little bit of a rundown on um, on what that's meant and um, the the news that we've had in the last week around that. So uh, with the the sh three strikes law, as um, we've you know the internet's sort of sitting in this weird sort of uh, middle land where people want content and another studios really want to provide a quick and easy way to get to it so certainly in new zealand right it's that's the one so people are you know sort of revolting against the the man and um pirating content left right and center so um yeah this was a pretty controversial law that came in and um it'd been it sort of launched and you know people were quite scared about um people being hauled before it but i think just recently there's um been the first if not two um was it telstra clear and orcon possibly um have had their first sort of uh, people step up to the plate under this new law so to speak um yeah it'd be interesting to see how this all pans out uh it is three strikes so you would have thought whoever was doing it would maybe have stopped after the first warning but maybe not yeah well i'm really interested to see what happens because what what we know is if if through a single internet connection um, complaints are made and the, you know companies can actually monitor uh, people that are using uh, you know the file sharing networks and they can see from what IP address particular uh, content be it music or movies and so on is being um, you know pushed through and so when they see that they can lodge a complaint through an internet provider and what we've seen is in these cases, they've hit the three complaints, which is where um, the, I guess, the person that owns that internet connection yep. can now be liable for what is it? I think up to fifteen thousand uh, dollars in yep. fines, and potentially a jail term as as well, if I've caught that correctly. Uh, and the big, I guess, one of the big concerns that's been been out there from the beginning is that many internet connections are shared. So, for yep. instance. What I'm curious about is these people who the notices have been lodged against, are they individuals who are doing this over their home connection or is it somebody like the university, you know, a university in your, in your local town that has a big internet connection that's shared by lots and lots of students who naturally are going to try and, um, you know, make use of a nice fast internet connection where they study um, to do the sorts of things they might want to do which might be downloading some music or or a movie 
and I guess my guess is unless the um, the copyright holders are really smart and are able to target residential connections, which they might be doing um, if they sort of break it down on that basis, but if they don't have access to that sort of information, it's more more likely they would actually be going after a, a bigger internet connection that's shared between a whole lot of users and um, them you know, taking that person to court is going to achieve absolutely nothing other than to disrupt the organisation who provides that internet connection. Now, the funny thing of that is because for me, I uh, when it came out, it, it you know I was still in basically I was question not questioning, but I was still not sure how this would work. And then the funny thing is that I I try to ask my friends who are not as tech savvy as they are to basically because you know for them they they are big downloading for uh, you know yeah, people. Yeah, and, and what their impression of it was. Well, the thing is that they got. A letter, I think, that is, if, correct me if I'm wrong, they got a letter from the uh, providers just say, hey, this is the law that's been... Um, but the funny thing is that based on that, there wasn't a, a, a more detailed explanation of what the process is. And then for them, they understand that there is consequences, but they don't know they don't know whether what they're doing is right or wrong. Like, So I think for me, if there's a process in there that is more educational, what is going on in regards to how does one get caught or anything it would help in the process of knowing because some of my friends don't know what is going on they just basically oh, I'm just not going to download anymore but you know but, yeah. yeah you know if you're looking at because you, you know Slingshot's got that all you can eat plan so you could see that especially if you're in a, a, a flat of guys and you want to or flat of people doesn't matter who it is really yeah. um, you know and you're a bit torrenting away and you could be pulling all these movies to watch because you know you want to be able to do it that way that this whole like I have to admit that if I wasn't in the industry the whole three strikes law wouldn't make any sense to yeah. me and I think your example Paul of the the university is a perfect one because they would have thousands of users all sitting behind one IP address and you know an IP address is like your um, street address so um, you know if you're communicating with a server or browsing the, the net the your IP is what's um, so when packets are sent back it, it knows where to send that data to yeah. so yeah someone like university would have all these users behind one IP address so it may not be yeah. You know, one particular person doing it—it it could be the whole university. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to finding out a little bit more about that. So that's something we'll certainly be watching and reporting back here on the podcast. And I think it's something that uh, technology users and, and internet users are are curious about how all this work. What do um, you um? What do you think will happen with all these? You know, because free Wi-Fi is a good attraction to businesses, especially hospitality ones, to get people to come in and, and well, that's spend exactly a bit more. The same like risk, McDonald's, isn't it? so yeah, McDonald's could could be hit unless they put I mean they can put an infrastructure that blocks that but you imagine a small cafe oh you you own one Nate um, so a scenario like that where where you are offering that Wi-Fi to your cafe users um, I mean that's a, that's another example on a much smaller scale than the, than the university but where exactly that same thing uh, could happen and somebody might choose oh I don't want to get caught for doing you know downloading this stuff so I'll, uh, I'll I'll duck into uh, Tuihana Cafe and uh, and do my downloading there. Not that we're encouraging that. <laughs> Please um, don't do it at mine. <laughs> uh, but you know, there, there's a real possibility of that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they can bring a case forward that you know will um, they can prove that it was done on on free Wi-Fi and see if um, there's anything can come across. or if you can argue and say, hey, look, you know, I provide a, a free wireless to um, my customers. It was one of them, but. But yeah, be interesting yeah to it, see it doesn't that. appear as though the law provides any protection in that no. case. If, if it's over your connection, it's your, your problem. Yeah. Now, um, self-drive vehicles, we've talked about these um, before, yeah. um, 
back in the media again with uh, with Cadillac are, um, are showing off a a vehicle that I, I guess is sort of prototype at this stage, uh, but um, sort of technology that they're looking to bring to market over the next few years. And I guess this is really probably one of the very first um, uh, prototypes from a that, manufacturer. That's yeah, from from a from a manufacturer. You know, we've seen uh, you know Google have the vehicles that they use for um, uh, you know driving around and, and and capturing those sort of street view pictures. Uh, and there have been various other sort of um, you know technologies along this line that that have been. Uh, um, uh, you know, come out of research institutes and, and, and universities. Um, did you guys watch the video on this? Any um, any any thoughts on 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 how it looks? I, I like the Cadillac's offering. You know, the the Google car's got the radar that sits. I think it's a radar that sits above it, which you know is nice looking, but looks a little bit sort of sci-fi well, with it on top. Well, it, that might be the cameras because it's there for street view, so it's got to take photos in, in all directions, and so get, it might just be that. When, and get free Wi-Fi as well, or to tell everyone where free Wi-Fi is. Um, <laughs> but the, yeah, the Cadillac offering is really, really nice, and I, I see they're pushing this thing called Super Cruise, which um, is like your normal cruise control, but it seems like on speed. Um, well, that to me, from what I saw, looks very similar to the, the Ford vehicles that we tested a few months ago, uh, whereas the cruise control looks at vehicles in front of you and, and adjusts accordingly. So you say, well, I'd like to travel at 120, say, was what I said it to, <laughs> just quietly. Um, and then, But then when there were cars in front of me that were doing 90 or 100, it would slow down to that and, you know, it would just adjust accordingly and you just set what was the distance that you were quite, you know, you were comfortable with and it just, yeah. uh, you know, it, it just handled it. So that looked fairly similar to that, didn't yeah. it? The, the, so Cadillac's saying that they're, they're going to have self-driving cars by 2015, but the, it must have been a huge wake-up call for them when someone like Google comes in and says, hey, look, we've got this you know, fully autonomous car that can just drive people. And yeah, they're we've going, already Hold done on, it. This, you know, this, is our, this is our industry. What, you know, what the hell are you guys doing in here? So, um, Well, we, we've seen, I guess we've seen a little bit of that uh, recently, haven't we? The, I mean, the, the other space is... Um, with the electric cars, um, where and it's dropped off the top of my head. One of you guys is going to remind me who's the big electric car manufacturer out of um, uh, Silicon Tesla. Valley, Tesla. So you know they've come in as a sort of a Silicon Valley technology startup, and they're really at the forefront of of electric um, vehicles. In fact, I was um, uh, watching a doco the other day. I think it was um, they were talking to the uh, GM of uh, General Motors and it was Tesla that gave them the wake-up call that they needed to actually get back in, um, you know, get back into that electric uh, car space. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting the, the impact that technology firms are having on mainstream firms in a, in a whole lot of places, but certainly in the automobile industry is one that's, that's getting a shake-up from all sorts of directions mm. Um, from from companies that are uh, you know outside of their industries and certainly they're very much leveraging the technologies uh, of tech companies as well. When we look at the Ford Sync and some of those other in-car technologies with GPS and voice recognition and so on, so Google and Microsoft and and others are really taking quite an important um, um, you know part of of where the um, where the auto industry is going. And it also, you know, you were having to see legislative change, sorry, legislative changes as well, because, you know, I know the state of Nevada um, 
and I know, don't know the exact details, but they, they put something in law so that to actually allow these cars to be able to drive themselves because up until that stage, it was illegal to not have someone sitting behind the wheel. You know, I can't wait till this technology becomes mainstream. I think it'd be fantastic, especially from, um, you know, instead of being stuck in traffic, um, you know, you could actually be sitting in the back seat on your laptop, you know, tweeting or on Facebook or whatever, and your car's just, there's nothing worse than being stuck in Auckland traffic with a stop, start, stop, start. So being actually have, able to have making that time more productive the I'm other, really I'm really looking forward to having a robotic chauffeur driving, driving me around that's going to be so cool Jeeves <laughs> um, the other thing that's going to be interesting to see is if um, you know technology isn't without its mishaps and there's it's inevitable that something's you know someone will be in a car and it'll drive off a cliff or it'll run into and there'll be you know, serious implications for that manufacturer for, um, you know, whether it's um, serious industry, uh, sorry, serious injury or even death. I think that happens on the road today, though. I think that, you know, if we look at the um, the stats in New Zealand, it happens, um, you know, every day or every other day someone's dying. So, mm-hmm. I mean, m- my personal pick on that is that automakers are going to be really, really cautious and... I, I would think that cars are that the that the um they're going to be very conservative in in terms of how they roll this out to the point that if all cars were uh, were self drive I think that the um the road toll would be a lot lower that's that's my impression of, well, of just how good the technology will be when it when it uh, reaches that point in the market but. Well, the other thing is is what uh, Nate said is probably what interests me the most is the legislative part of this whole thing because suddenly, you know, the government will go, oh my goodness, there's no one going to be controlling the car but, a ro- you know, a robot. So the whole system has to change to cater for that. So that alone is a whole bigger issue by itself and that will be a definitely a, a, a topic, I think, will have to look really closer to see how that thing you know shapes and change and how good how well will the government cater to that i mean we've already seen the struggles they've had with the three strikes law Mm. Um, maybe these laws are simpler but if the laws are any more complex you wonder what sort of bizarre legislation will actually uh will actually you know we'll be dealing with Mm. well especially you know i don't i don't um uh, encourage drinking and driving but what what where does that put this whole thing mm. all of a sudden you know it's just suddenly hey i'm at the back my car's driving me does well in, be, the, you know? in nevada they they that's one thing you're not allowed to do so you can not you know with the with the new law yeah um you are allowed to have a self-drive vehicle but you still can't have a um you know you still baby, can't yeah. can't can't be uh drinking alcohol in the so vehicle if your car's had a few beers is that sort of put it out of <laughs> put it out of action or <laughs> Well, that's probably a um, going to create some other problems, but uh, <laughs> you know, and it depends where that beer has ended up inside the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, now, on to um, something very, very close to home: our internet plans here in New Zealand. We've talked about this many times. Some of the challenges that we have with internet, both the speeds, and so there's been a lot of interest in um, the New Zealand government's ultra-fast broadband initiative with USB bringing. Uh, uh, UFB bringing the um, fiber optic internet to homes and, and businesses. Uh, we've talked in recent weeks um, with the uh, CEO of Pacific Fiber uh, who are looking to uh, bring in that um, extra high speed uh, fiber internet connection into New Zealand from the US and Australia. Um, and yeah, there, I guess there are a couple of areas that, that are 
been a challenge here in New Zealand, the speed that we can get at home uh, and also the data caps that limit how much information that we can download. Now, um, we've had some interesting manoeuvres in the last um, week or so from um, from three of the ISPs in those spaces. Um, uh, Telstra Clear have, have, uh, have made an announcement, Snap, um, and Orcon. Now, um, you were watching the Snap one in particular, weren't yeah, you, Nate, and, and Nate a, last week? Because uh, that, that was quite a big, um, quite an unexpected change, jump. wasn't it? Yeah, and a blatant push for my blog, which is at natedunn.com. Um, Snap had, so you've got your basic um, sort of normal broadband or, or um, naked DSL. And so you buy these um, data packs, which you can add on. So Snap um, had a, their largest data pack was 100 gig, and that, that was for $70. And with this latest um, round of pricing, they've actually upped that to 550 gigs, so over half a terabyte. So for it's f- more than five times increase for the same amount. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I don't know what's triggered it, but a lot of these ISPs have all announced in sort of a, the same week or two weeks these big increases. Not only just the data plans like telecom, you know, the sort of incumbent you would have thought would be well, dragging. They, their, they tripled. They tripled yeah. some of these. Like there was one that went from ten gigs to thirty, 30 gigs. Mm. That was one of the total time um, packages. But also there were some doublings that were going on mm. as well. Was mm. that over and above the? The tripling? Yeah, it's it's interesting to see all these, you know, there's got to be something happening behind the scenes where the, you know, contracts are coming up for renewal or everyone's getting better pricing. I'm not sure, but it just seems a very strange co- coincidence that you've got them all doing it at the same time. Um, you've also got your other ISPs like your, your Maxnet that has got a um, unlimited plan, but it's quite heavily controlled. So there's a waiting list. And then once you're off, once you're onto the plan, if, you know, if you go outside particular parameters, they've got the right to kick you off. Um, Slingshot's got their all-you-can-eat um, plan, which you know, as soon as it hits past midnight or two AM or whenever it is, it pretty much yeah, is unusable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's you know having larger caps is inevitable with more data and more stuff that we can consume online. Mm. Um, you, you, we have to have bigger caps mm. if it's faster. We need to be able to download more stuff. So it's nice being able to see the ISPs. Um, actually respond to that. Yeah. Um, so as well as Snap, we had Orcon who um, had announced recently their one terabyte? Or their one terabyte plan On or, a th- or a thousand uh, gigabyte plan. So you know when you get up at that that uh, size, and we haven't really had a chance to test any of these plans yet, um, there is a question: whereas at that size, is it going to have the same issues that the unlimited plans have? Which you know most of the unlimited plans. Uh, tend to get to a point where the performance degradates, and you know we remember Telecom New Zealand, you know, launched an unlimited plan some some years ago, and they got into the same point where they just had to pull the plug on it because, uh, you know, there were people just using ten or a hundred times as much data as everyone else, and it and it you know, it just didn't it didn't work very well. Um, it's a hard one because you know all these ISPs have got the networks engineered for you know the slower um, DSL accounts, and then with UFB coming in and. And some of these other bigger plans, you know, there, there's going to be some some of their network hardware is not going to be able to support these higher speeds. So they're going to there's going to be have to be some serious reinvestment in their network infrastructure, um, you know, their core networks, that sort of stuff, um, to be able to support people just you know being ridiculous at this buffet that we call the internet. Mm. And the other announcement that we had was uh, Telstra Clear, who um, now they've got their cable network, which is is you know. Um, it's been reasonably, you know, unusual 
in in New Zealand um, because we've ne- we never had cable networks before. But in the US, it's the normal. You know, people get cable TV uh, delivered over these in their internet connection. Uh, Telstra Clear have this, of course. Uh, in initially, it, it rolled out in Kapiti Coast, then in Wellington, and and then in parts of Christchurch. So there are a lot of people that have access to this. Um, but the speeds of it previously were limited to uh, similar to the uh, ADSL two type performance. But they've uh, they've just um, launched availability of the 100 megabits uh, speed over that network, which is is really very um, very much in line with the ultra fast broadband uh, offerings that the government are going to be, uh, you know, or are beginning to uh, to roll out. Um, so I thought that was that was good good to see them um, Step bump up, bump yeah. up their existing <laughs> network, and I think they have to to remain competitive. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, some of those users are going to be moving off onto. Uh, uh, onto UFB, of course, the limitations of what a um, a cable network like that can offer is is much much less than what the um, the the ultra fast broadband network will be capable of. Um, but it, it's good to see them bumping that sort of um, up. Was there any announcements from Telstra Clear on there's just standard ADSL space? I do, I don't think any other changes. I mean, one just of the interesting cable. things about Telstra Clear and um, I saw this actually discussed on uh, on on Geekzone in the last few days. Was that it seems that their um, their rates for data usage um, haven't changed in many 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 years. Like oh, really? someone was saying, six or eight years. So, yeah. you know, their data packs that you buy, um, yeah, uh, just at, at those same prices. So you would think at some stage they're going to have to um, you know bring a, bring about some changes. You'd hope so. Um, You'd but hope so. Um, but yeah, let, we'll we'll wait and see. Maybe it was their overage charges, but yeah, interesting to see. Now, um, also talking about internet, um, I had some feedback um, from um, from one of the guys at Netgear New Zealand actually, uh, uh, Kent, who I think is a country manager here, and uh, he was one of the first uh, customers uh, in Auckland uh, to jump on board uh, with that with Orcon. And uh, I think he's had some pretty good experiences. He was talking about, you know, performance uh, within New Zealand that was exceeding the, um, um, possibly exceeding the um, um, the 30 meg- uh, megabits per second down and 10 megabits per second up, um, you know, that they guarantee. Um, so that was quite good to hear. A um, couple of other bits of feedback. He mentioned that um, sometime within, I think, his first week or two of having it, that the connection dropped out. Uh, and he called the ISP, and because it was so new, of course, their tech guys weren't really sure what to do. Chorus, who provide the infrastructure, um, you know, underlying, weren't weren't quite sure. But within a day, it was all back up and running. So uh, I, I guess we're going to see a little bit of that with the first yeah. people with it rolling out that, uh, you know, hopefully once it's, it's been out there a little bit longer, uh, we won't see these types of issues. But, um, you know, my, my hope is that... Uh, uh, the fibre optic internet is going to be more reliable than our traditional old uh, old school ADSL running over uh, running over copper. Um, and he also gave some um, some speed test examples. And I chatted to Orcon about these because some of, they were a little bit low. But uh, Orcon said, you know, again, it's very early days on this stuff, and uh, and they'll be monitoring and tweaking it. So for those who are interested in uh, in techie numbers, um, he he did a speed test to Brisbane. And was able to download at uh, around uh, nine megabits per second, 
and his upload speed was actually slightly faster than that, about uh, nine and a half uh, megabits per second. So um, anyone that's want it, that's doing uploads, maybe they want to do online backups um, and moving a lot of you know data from from their location to another, uh, the ultra fast broadband really is a boon for that because uh, you know ADSL. Um, you know our traditional internet connections were you know, typically around a tenth of those sort of speeds, um, so that was pretty good speed. Um, the interesting one was his USA uh, um, speed, where he was he was downloading under uh, under three megabits, which I thought was interesting. But again, as I say, Orcon um, said that they'll um, they'll do some monitoring on this and and have a little bit of a look. So um, yeah, we'll we'll keep a look out. But it's um, we we are keen to hear from any of you out there, wherever you are in the country, um, that are jumping on board uh, with the new ultra-fast broadband network or um, uh, you know, even those that are jumping on board with, uh, with Telstra Clear's uh, service. And, of course, there's a few um, like Mauricio from GeekZone that have been on that for about two or three years since they actually started their original trials of it. So um, those lucky people have been uh, you know, foot to the floor for a long, long time with their internet connections. So uh, yeah, the rest of the the rest of us can only uh, and only sit and sit and wait. Suffer away at dial up speeds. It yeah. seems. Now um, we we chatted, I think, last week very briefly about uh, unified inbox. Uh, that's a technology or a uh, a service that's. Um, come out of uh, out of New Zealand and I got to have a good look around the uh, the product last week and it's actually really really cool so this is a a new way of um, I guess doing your email but also linking into your social networks your Twitter and Facebook and other things through what very much looks like a um, an email type interface so you can go in and say hey I want to do a new message and you bring it up and you type that message and then you can you know, you can tweet that, or you can put it to Facebook, or it can go on email, or it can go on, you know, you can go on all three, and you can potentially tie into other things. Um, and also, um, there's a, there's a whole sort of group working and business element. So a message comes in, and it might go, it might be targeting a group of people. So it might be a help desk scenario, or you know, in I mean, I guess you could even use this in a family where uh, you know someone someone emails a group of people in the family, and uh, one person picks it up and replies, and so on. Um, so it lets you sort of take ownership of of the communications or assign different things to different people. So uh, um, yeah, it, it looks uh, it looks really cool, sort of you know, task management and so on around around emails. Just by you know, just by looking at it right now, it kind of has that feeling of uh, um, Yammer, which is a internal um, to those people who don't know, an internal social networking, um, Facebooky type of tool, and also Dropbox plus the I think a recent Outlook, which allows uh, tie-in with a with social networks as well. If yeah. I'm not, if I'm not um, if I'm not wrong here, so it it feels like it it's taking the best part from all these um, you know these uh, hot. Uh, social networks out there and bring them um, together and create like you said this unified way of just communication it's no longer in the email it's just like it says here it's just communication in in terms of everything but the way it's been set up the first thing that came to my mind was wow it looks very yammer yammerly way to communicate with people mm. yeah so yeah it, look, yeah, it looks pretty cool i think they're uh, you know they're still in the earlier sort of uh, funding stages They've been working on it for quite some time and mm. uh you know the demo i saw it was very snappy very very fast i was pretty nice. impressed uh 
So, you know, we were just sitting, um, um, you know, on a, a public type internet connection using it. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Now, a um, couple of other big uh, sort of technology, but news, really. Um, the first one, consumer electronics space. Uh, Samsung New Zealand made um, made some big big announcements today. Uh, they, they were showing off... Um, their new uh, TV announcements. And, um, yeah, really quite cool, actually. A um, whole bunch of features in, in their uh, their newest TVs, which are going to be launching into the market from pretty much now through into uh, into mid-May. And uh, the the particular thing that, that I... Well, there are a few things that were interesting, um, but they're very much moving into the smart TV space, you know, Boots and all, and I guess a smart TV is a, you know, as a TV that that's got an internet connection. It might have a camera for Skype and, and extra features, mm. um, but you know, traditionally things like actually using a web browser on the TV haven't really been very practical. hasn't worked very well. Mm. Um, what they showed off today was a TV with a uh, a modern uh, browser that could do Flash and HTML5. Uh, based on WebKit technology, which which we're familiar with from uh, um, you know Apple and and, and Google products, uh, it allows you to plug in a Microsoft mouse and keyboard or wireless ones. You just plug in the little dongle bits into the into the TV, and you can you know sit on your couch and and uh, browse the web. Um, so qu- those elements were quite cool. They've also built in a um, um, uh, voice uh, recognition, voice control, and motion control type capabilities, which is what we've seen with um, Xbox and Connect, mm. and that uses the built-in um, you know, microphones and and camera. And of course, having that actually built into the TV makes it very easy to do Skype because the you know the technology's uh, the technology's all there. Um, so. Yeah, I was quite impressed with those things. And, and the other thing, which I think is the first TV I've seen w- w- with this, um, is they have a built-in um, personal video recorder, or PVR, um, that ties into the Freeview capability. So if you're you know, just you know, um, not using MySky, and of course MySky have got their HDI box for, for recording TV, um, but if you're wanting to access that Freeview content, you can plug in an external hard drive or storage device, and uh, using the on-screen guide, you can choose to you know record TV programs that are coming up, or you know record the one you're watching. So you pause and fast forward, rewind, all that sort of stuff once you've uh, once you've recorded it. So a nice feature with that, and I know it's probably never going to come through, but you know if they had the ability for a card reader on the side of the the um, TV so that you could do away with your MySky and have with a legitimate um, Sky subscription put your card in there and then you know you could actually use your own um, device to record TV instead of having to use MySky because yeah the MySky works well but there's a lot of stuff on it and I know it's probably part of the enforcement of the people providing the content but the, the fact you can't pull recordings off it for example is um, a big pain in the fact that you've got to use your website to do um, remote recordings. It would be quite nice to have, you know, a web console. You can log in and set up recordings, or even just some smarter things around. If you've ever used one of the more feature-rich uh, PVRs, you've got the ability to set up uh, wildcard searching. So, for example, I'm a big fan of Family Guy. The PVR we've got um, at work, um, we've got the ability to search and it will search any channel you don't do much work do you no we do very no, little work no, um so. it's, you've got the ability to search um any family guy and record it whereas with the uh, my sky you've got to actually go through every 
um, instance of, of Family Guy and record it, which doesn't seem like a lot of work, but there's you know so many cleverer ways and smarter ways to do stuff. Um, and piggybacking on the back of that Samsung announcement, I um, last year when they or the year before when they did the big 3D launches, I got to see all the the brands come out with their their best and greatest of of 3D. And I have to say, Samsung had the nicest looking gear out of all of them. Like they really work hard to produce TVs that you know you walk into a room and go, wow, that's a really nice looking TV, and you haven't even switched it on. Like very very thin. The the LED um, backlit, which gives you a far better than um, standard backlit um, uh, LCD screens, was just absolutely stunning so so nice so i'm a big fan like i've got a samsung tv at home there's really really they do really nice units they do they look they look great and that's definitely the space at the moment i think you know there was a time when sony always made the yeah you know the most stylish sort of uh, consumer cool. electronics yeah. gear uh you know and it was they were always kind of i guess you know the the leader for a very long time and you know we've moved into that time where you know, and Samsung deliberately made that uh, decision as a company to be design focused, and you really see that in their products now. They put a whole lot into designing something that looks uh, looks stunning. And you know, of course, it's at the top end you get those those really designed products. Um, so it might be that you end up spending, and I think that you know the top of the line out of these new products is about um, seven thousand dollars for you know six uh, sixty inch um, screen. You know, you might spend at that level, whereas you can go out and buy a sixty-inch screen for, you know, two or three thousand. Um, so you you are paying a premium for that. But if you want the best, then um, they're they're very much playing in that in that top space as well as at the other price points. Well, yep. the the other thing as well, um, you know, just by looking at that, we know that you know Hulu and Netflix are pretty much uh, across. You know, an elusive dream uh, for that <laughs> smart TV. But I think what will be interesting to now see, because you know how uh, QuickFlix just came out recently, it will yep. be interesting to see if they will jump on board and you know uh, claim the smart TV market. Because suddenly, you know, because they already have a good traction, it will be interesting to see if they jump on board on this. So this is this is just me kind of. Yeah. Well, I didn't notice any mention of QuickFlix app for um, for the Samsung, mm. but. One thing Samsung did point out is, hey, they do have an app store, yeah. um, so you you know there will be the potential for there to be more apps than just what come uh, than just what come with the TVs today. So there's yeah. definitely room for them to grow that. Um, something something we were chatting about before is the challenge though that these smart TVs bring mm. is that a TV now gets outdated very very quickly. And, you know, for many years, people have often bought a, you know, for instance, a PC, they've bought a, a monitor separate from their PC because the PC might last, you know, longer than actually the life of the PC. And, you know, TVs at the price point they are, if you're having, if you wanted to stay up with the latest uh, technology, it's going to be very, very hard to do that with a TV. So you're basically going to need to buy a new one every year. So, I mean, my personal preference is to have, the best set-top boxes, be it an Apple TV, be it an Xbox 360, my Sky TiVo. Roku, Boxy. Yep, exactly. You know, buy one of those or get the whole lot, you know, whatever suits you. Mm. Um, and, and the ones we've got here, we've got a good few of them in the cabinet. Um, if you've got those, then, you know, it doesn't matter so much having having that sort of smart TV um, technology because you, you may actually be able to be a step ahead. Um, but there is something really nice, you know, in terms of these these new TVs that I saw today. Mm. Having this one integrated device that you didn't need a whole lot of things to plug and one into remote. it. One remote. 
uh, and yeah, one remote voice control capability and so on, uh, the keyboard and the mouse. I mean, some of those bits weren't as integrated as I would have liked. It's still early days, for instance, with with their voice control. So we flicked across to, you know, we use voice control to get to a particular screen and there were some options on that screen, but voice control wouldn't let you control them, for instance. So, um, you know, be a bit a bit cautious, but the technology that, that's, that's coming down the pipe here is... Mm-hmm is pretty cool um, but you know some of it is early days and if you buy it now you will probably be looking at what comes out in 12 months and saying wow that's a whole lot better I, w- I want that next one so you've got to be I think you've got to be you know mindful of that if you jump in with this uh, with this technology well the other thing is you know now a lot of um, a lot of if we're watching TV we tend to tweet a lot as well so suddenly with the smart TV it becomes that that second screen that we've always um, wanted so it'll be interesting to see kind of moving forward what the future of of a smart tv and social is because if the integrated of being able to tweet or being on facebook you know being able to do the same thing while watching Mm. how would that be deeply integrated within you know within your um, what would the networks like your tvnz or your media works will do because knowing that these are the future of what tv is you so know? you're thinking of a like button when you're watching a program exactly. you can hit hey i like this that'll jump onto your facebook page i mean that, that is fascinating i mean i i think you know today there's you know a, a lot of us will use a uh, a smartphone a tablet a laptop or whatever mm. while we're watching tv and you'll actually benefit from having the two different screens yeah. But those are starting to come close together. And one of the things that we've seen with, you know, the Xbox 360, for instance, you can control it from your iPhone, from your Windows phone. You know, there's an app for it. And uh, Samsung announced today that with the Galaxy S2, you will have that um, that type of control over over some of those smart TVs. Um, although, interestingly... Only the that that's the only phone supported at the moment. Mm. You know, none of the other none of the Samsung Windows phones or even the Galaxy Tab is supported yet. Although that's that's something that we you know we would anticipate is going to come over time. But mm. um, yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to see how these things converge from a social media and an interactivity sort of point of view. But yeah, you know, I think there is some benefit in having the having the two screens rather than just one. Oh, you know, especially the 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 way. Uh, the shows especially in New Zealand will find a way to monetize it because that suddenly to any to any person that they will see dollar signs because suddenly you have a TV and a social in the same screen and then that's what I think a lot of kind of media big media conglomerates will were trying to wonder how would this two fit together and I think the smart TV was just basically an answer to say hey we're here try to make use of us you know yeah well you yeah. can imagine where there are ads on screen and so on and you can click or ask for like, more information yeah. and 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 you know there, there are probably all sorts of uh possibilities with how that can come and i think you know we are going to need to, some changes in the business models and we're already seeing that with netflix and quick flicks and and other things other ways that you pay for content because you're no longer wanting to sit there and watch advertising anymore well the, the other thing is um you I'm sure you've watched uh, Hulu before. You know how every time when you watch a, a certain episode, um, an ad comes on, it will ask you, does this ad appeal to you? You know, so mm-hmm. for example, if you get to watch, I don't know, um, um, New Zealand Idol, and then suddenly every ad will say, hey, like this, if this, you know, Facebook like this, if this ad appeals to you, then, then suddenly it becomes, you know, that was something that, two years ago people were dreaming of becoming but now you're deeply integrated with the whole facebook open graph within the tv you know within content on media then suddenly 
that's how I think business at that point will quantify what social media is because at the moment it's still one big question mark of how do we put dollars in front of it and then suddenly if you can integrate it I think suddenly people will go wow there is there is something here well you can yeah you can see if you yeah if your TV linked to the Facebook accounts of those people watching it mm. and then drew off the information that then Facebook knows about you, as you say, yeah. um, you end up with advertising that actually you're interested in seeing because it's it's based on your interests and what you're interested in. Oh, John's watching this. John's into social media. He loves, yeah. you know, uh, travel. He loves mm-hmm. snowboarding, whatever it is. And then, and then, the then all the ads, ads and so on are, exactly. are based around that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a much better chance you're going to watch it than when a shampoo ad uh, comes on or, or something, and, and you're a ball. If you're a ball guy, right? So you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the, there's that opportunity for uh, oh. for relevance that the the, the uh, as these technologies come closer mm-hmm. together, um, yeah, we could see some good things. Um, okay, now before we wrap up, the other um, technology release uh, this week has been. Um, Adobe Creative Suite, uh, they've announced the um, CS6 version now. Of course, out of those products, it's Photoshop, which is really well known by uh, by most people involved with, um, uh, whether they're involved with design and, and technology or not, that's, that's the, the really well-known product. But of course, there's a whole, uh, a whole suite there. And um, so that's just been announced. But the interesting thing is Adobe making a couple of changes. One, they're bringing their Creative Cloud, which um, allows um, content to be stored and collaborated on online in a storage that they will actually provide. Uh, and the other thing they're bringing, which has been talked about in software circles for a long time, but uh, we haven't seen a lot of, is a move to a subscription model um, across the board with, with their whole uh, range of Creative Suite products. So you'll be able to pay a monthly fee to be able to use, you know, any of those Adobe products from InDesign, Illustrator, Photoshop, um, you know, video editing and, and sound tools and, and so on. So um, I assume I think this is sort of really like interesting. like leasing software. So as soon as there's a new version, you're still paying the monthly fees. Yeah, so, so you just pay one monthly fee. If you hmm. stop, then you lose access. If you you know you keep paying it, then uh, then you've got access to the um, to the software. So yeah, it's it's a really interesting okay. um, model. And you know we've seen variations of it before from Microsoft and others. And I think Adobe have even you know dipped their toes in this water in the past. Um, but yeah, I th- I think ultimately it makes it much easier for people to jump on board and and try it and use some of these tools without you know having to front up with yeah you know, some of the um, the versions of Creative Suite are, are well over three thousand dollars. So if you can pay a, a, a you know a much smaller slice of that in terms of a monthly fee, that's that's fairly attractive. Well, it, and also it takes away the whole ability to scan keys as well, you know, because that's that's what. A lot of people didn't want to buy the the Adobe Creative Suite because you know they're three thousand. You know they're ready to go to Pirate Bay or BitTorrent just to download it and mm. get the keys. But then suddenly now I think, like you're right, it makes it an interesting model to kind of keep an eye on. Which means you know, in order in order to continue to use the software, you have to pay on a monthly fee. Yeah. So really, it's sort of a desktop. You know, I'm really I'm a big fan of Zero, the online accounting um, engine. So this is really a desktop version of SaaS software as a service. So. Um, like the the way Zero works is you pay a monthly fee to get access to your accounts, and the the nice thing with that is you get the free upgrades, which I'm assuming Adobe is doing as well. Well, it, it is a different approach. I mean, they are bringing apps that will that will uh, land on your um, you know iPad, iPhone, Android devices. 
Um, but their main desktop apps for Mac and, and Windows will still be full-blown apps that you actually install locally. Yep. But when a new version comes out, you'll have the right to be able to download and install it. So it is a little bit different to the sort of uh, you know cloud-based software-as-a-service type thing that just you know sits there online and um, you know you just sort of draw from. But 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 certainly similarities to that. And by building in uh, this online uh, storage, so you know a group can potentially collaborate from different locations. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's a good thing to see, although it's going to bring some challenges with it as well. Um, I'm sure in sort of you know certain you know business scenarios. Uh, but yeah, I think we're re- really interested to see um, um, to see how how it all works together, and we'll be uh, we'll be trying that out. Nice. All right, good stuff. Well, hey, thanks everyone for listening in to the NZ Tech Podcast this week. Uh, you can of course find us online nztechpodcast.com facebook.com slash nz tech podcast uh, and we're on twitter at nz tech podcast um, guys what are your twitter handles john um, my one is at i am john lane simple excellent thanks john nice and creative uh, mine's nate just at nate nate that famous short, short twitter handle, twitter handle. Um, and mine of course is just my name paul spain so uh, hey thanks everyone we will catch you next week uh, back here on the nz tech podcast see ya We'll <laughs>